We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Caligula on February 15th, 1980. That's the American release of Caligula. It was written by Gore Vidal and Massalino D'Amico, directed by Tinto Brass and technically Bob Guccione also. Uh, and well, was released if by, you're going to say that, you can't say it was written by, by Gorvin. Yeah, everything you've just said is up for debate. Well, he wrote, he wrote the screenplay. <laughs> he wrote and the it was, original screenplay. screenplay. It was based on. He wrote a novel. He wrote the screenplay adapted from the novel. And then, and then uh, Massimo totally D'Amico. It. No, it, they didn't change the dialogue significantly. Um, and it was released by Analysis Film Release Corporation. Well, except they said that his his version was too homosexual, and they had him rewrite that. Right, and, well, but he still he, gets a screenwriting credit. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. He wrote the original screenplay. I do think adapted. it's funny that they made him rewrite it so it would have broad appeal, though. Like <laughs> <laughs> broad appeal. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. But that too is much funny. fella appeal. But I'm like, what? You really want this? You know to be yeah. more well recepted by a wide range of people <laughs> on that note if you're listening to this podcast with children <laughs> present uh we won't be using any words that you can't say on television but uh but we will be using words that you shouldn't say on television on television <laughs> are we talking about cable watching. or network broadcasts <laughs> um one and the same kind of at this point we're not i'm not talking about like premium cable but uh anyway so this was adapted from, like we said, Gore Vidal's novel, Caligula. Um, this was the first time that a film was funded entirely by Penthouse. Uh, they had previously partially funded movies like Chinatown and Day of the Locust. Um, and Bob Guccione, who was the founder of Penthouse magazine, wanted to do what basically what Burt Reynolds was doing in Boogie Nights, which was porn with a story where you wanted mm-hmm. to see the ending. Um, Vidal's script was extensively rewritten because, as we said, it had a very strong focus on homosexual <laughs> relationships, which... Um, was not something they thought they could sell to a mainstream audience. Well, also his version, uh, Caligula, is good in the beginning, and the power corrupts him. Right, where versus they wanted him just to be already a born being monster. a total jerk yeah. in the beginning from birth. Reptile. Yeah, which well, I think is a better like you know it, it, it's it's a better analogy to what he was trying to say about you know. Absolute power state, corrupting, yeah, absolutely. The state of mm. politics. But he was also like a fourth or fifth generation Caesar. So it's like that, that person's going to be evil from birth. That's not something. That's not a enough inbreeding evil. in yeah. there that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Guccione thought that this movie was going to be like a modern day Citizen Kane because of the cast that he had locked down. Um, John Huston was approached to direct and said, no, thank you. Uh, Tinto Brass was brought on because he had done a movie called Salon Kitty. And well, a lot of people are from that movie. Right. A lot of the cast ended up coming over from that movie. Um, but uh, Guccione thought, oh, this guy's like the perfect choice because he has like an eye for things and he can deal with like erotic material. So he's like the great, <laughs> great choice for this. Well, apparently he originally was the one that expanded the sort of sexual content in right. Orvidal's script. Well, it's funny because he came in and rewrote the screenplay, but... It specifically says that they didn't change the dialogue, so he literally just came in and wrote action lines to <laughs> describe right. orgies in the background. <laughs> like, didn't actually change the story that was happening, right. just what was happening beyond it. But at the same time, this is the same guy who then refused to shoot those scenes. Well, the hardcore stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then, so he disavowed himself from the film because he wouldn't shoot those extra scenes. Right. <laughs> You know it's bad when an Italian director won't shoot sex scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Principal photography actually began in Rome in 1976. So that's, if you're keeping track, four years before 1980. Who was the Pope then? For you math nerds, who was the Pope in 76? Wasn't that around the year that we had like two Popes in one year? In one month. In one month? Or three Popes in it. Uh, Giovanni Battista Enrico Antonio Maria Montini. Oh, I, I stand corrected. Who six, I'm sure. six popes in a month. <laughs> uh, that, that, that is also also known as Pope Paul the Sixth. 
Okay. Yeah, who I'm sure was not a fan of this movie. You don't know that. This was his <laughs> great great uncle. Um, but yeah, uh, Maria Schneider was cast as Drusilla um, and was lectured repeatedly for sewing up the sides of her open tunic because she was not comfortable with how it flowed and she was completely naked underneath it. Um, and eventually she quit after filming one scene with Weird. Malcolm McDowell. How unusual. Um, was it Malcolm McDowell's fault? <laughs> it's not clear from the information I have. Yeah. Um, but uh, she was like, you know what? I just realized I don't want to be naked in the middle of every shot of this movie where there's like stuff happening in the background constantly. Um, she was replaced by Teresa Ann Savoy. Um, John Gilgood was offered the role of Tiberius and uh, asked instead instead for the Nerva role because uh, the Tiberius role was a little too pornographic for his taste, but <laughs> Peter O'Toole had no problem taking it up. Um, the, Peter O'Toole is an actor. <clears throat> he is. He's I mean, gonna he, he's gonna do what he's got to do. Exactly. He, he's like, you want me to be in this movie? I'm gonna do it. You're gonna give me some money, and I'm gonna do it. But yeah, um, the there was a scene with a full scale Roman vessel complete with hand carved oars. 120 of them why would you bother hand carving those it was the largest prop ever built at the time which is based on a real thing yeah it's it's the actual dimensions of the real thing of like a real ship of a real roman vessel the real the real floating palace that that was built yeah that was turned into basically a whorehouse for the senator's wives it was over 175 feet long and 30 feet tall um, in post, Tinto Brass's cut of the film was basically thrown out. He's pretty famous for editing all of his own films, but uh, Bob Guccione threw out that, like, completely disassembled the edit, uh, snuck back onto the set to shoot a bunch of extra hardcore porn scenes, <laughs> which he then edited into the film. And then Tinto Brass was like, "Yeah, this isn't this isn't my movie anymore." So in the, in the opening credits, it literally says "edited by the production" because there were so many different editors working on it that they were like, "I don't even know how to credit this." Um, it ended up grossing $23 million, which is the highest grossing independent porn ever, or at least at, at the time, probably. I don't know if uh, Pamela Anderson or Paris Hilton have beaten that by now. Um, according to Malcolm McDowell, Peter O'Toole's first words to John Gilgood on set were, Hello, Johnny, what is a knight of the realm doing in a porno movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, Ebert walked out of it. He stayed for two hours and right. left 50 minutes before it ended. notoriously does not do that. Yeah. Right? This is one of like two movies that he's done that for. I don't even know what the other one was. Maybe Freddy Got Fingered. He had a pretty notoriously scathing review of that. Um, of the entire cast, it seems like Mirren and Gilgood are the only two that didn't really regret working on it because they didn't take it very seriously. Yeah. Like everybody else was like either in love with the director or hated the director or hated what was going on on set. And the two of them were just like... Oh no! Whatever you know, it's great. Like well, Helen Mirren literally it had like a irresistible or something. Yeah, it was like an irresistible blend of like nudity and genitals, genitals or something <laughs> like that. But then like John Gilgood had some quote where someone's like, "Oh, how's the movie going?" And he's like, "Oh, it's great. There's dicks everywhere. It's wonderful." <laughs> it's just, just like, embrace it. Just go. The with two it. of them didn't care, which is funny because both of them have played Hobson. In yeah, Arthur movies. I was just gonna say because uh, I I love uh, in Dudley John Moore's Gilgood. Arthur, Gilgood was Hobson, and then Helen Mirren played the part for the uh, Russell Brand Russell oh, Brand yeah. okay. remake. But I think the two of them got along well on this set, so even I, though they don't have many scenes together, or any maybe. I really like that Wikipedia called this an erratic historical drama. Yeah, I mean, it I mean, it's it's accurate, but I just think it's really funny because it's, it's a strange mix of words. It's well, it's a strange mix of words, and it's way too much like porn to appease the historical drama people, and way too much historical drama to appease the yeah. porn people. So I'm nobody, really nobody not sure who this. was happy with this movie exactly. It was it was basically just Bob Guccione was happy with it, and whatever teenagers snuck in, um. So we start the film with basically Caligula and his sister girlfriend yeah. frolicking. And, and and the repeated tune that will be heard throughout this movie and is burned into my mind and upsets me very much because it's also <laughs> the reoccurring theme song for the Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, is it really? For Tim, for Tim Robbins and Jennifer Jason Lee's characters. Um, apparently it's from a, a uh, 
a version of Spartacus, not the famous Spartacus, right? But uh, another version uh, uh, with a, a Russian, I believe he's a Russian composer, and because a lot of music in this movie is borrowed. Um, yeah, they also borrow the, the famous some music from the Romeo and Juliet, which I believe is the Italian version of the Romeo and Juliet, the famous blanking yeah. uh, on the director, uh, 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 Franco. Uh, what's his name? Not Franco Nero. Who is Django? No, um, Franco Zeffirelli. That sounds right. I'm just looking it up. That's the Olivia Hussey one. Yeah. Yeah, Franco Zeffirelli. You're yeah. right. Yeah, so, so the, they, they the, a lot them. of borrowed songs. Yeah, I mean there is some original music, uh, but uh, they repeat a bunch of songs over and over and over again to kind of like fill in the thing. Yeah. So he, uh, one morning while he's lying in bed with his sister, a bird flies into the room and he just freaks out about it. And it's like a reoccurring theme of people freaking out about birds. One time they make a connection to it, just once. I think every time they make a connection to it, there's three scenes where birds show up and all three scenes are indicate someone is about to die or something important is about to happen. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay, because the one time that was the obvious connection that I needed, I needed, I needed it right. spelled out for me, yeah. is when they fade out from the bird to the crest on uh, 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 Macro's uh, breastplate. Right. And I was like, okay, so it's like, it, that, that's the symbol Same. there. But... Uh, like, this like his reaction of just like Whoa! yeah he's immediately terrified. I guess this has like been a common theme from before the movie started, where every time he sees a crow, it means someone important's gonna die or doom him. But uh, he keeps thinking that he's about to get killed, so uh, he finds out that um, his great uncle is requesting his presence. That's Tiberius, mm-hmm. the Peter O'Toole character, um, and so he goes there expecting that his uncle's gonna kill him. Um, when he first right. walks in, because like, his uncle is the current Caesar. Yeah, he's the current Caesar, and what grandson of Julius? Yeah, the grandson, son of, son of Augustus, grandson of Julius. Well, well, and at one time, he refers to him as adopted. Uh, uh, to Caligula, as correct? Adopted. Yeah. Yes, um, he's like an adopted because his stepbrother, his younger stepbrother, is is like the genetic heir. Yeah, Claudius. Um, or no, no step uh, uh, uncle. Yeah, his Claudius. uncle is there, Claudius, but. His his younger stepbrother Jamelis. is Jamelis, yeah, mm-hmm. who is who is actually like the blood heir, um, but yeah. So he goes to see his uncle, and it's pretty sure that he's going to get killed. But uh, when he gets there, there's people being tortured all over the place. Sexy torture. Well, there's, there's <laughs> sexy torture and just orgies around the torture. And, and I have to say, I applaud this movie for ex- sexually exploiting not just women and not just men equally oh but but animals but animals <laughs> little people and total recall face mutants yeah yeah that was interesting an interesting choice that they they would imply that a person would survive to adulthood with that condition yeah. where there were two faces melded together it's just like there's a two-faced person three and three-eyed was it or one eye in the middle no i think yeah i think it was three eyes and i was like is this is this like i was 100 percent certain that this was gonna go like brazil yeah like this was gonna be it was oh, gonna be a surrealist yeah thing. this is this is this isn't really happening it's just the craziness of the situation he's seeing things like no you see that person sleeping later that they just <laughs> yeah. have they just have two crazy faces well there's a lot of like this this movie vacillates very quickly from being like obviously there's a lot of huge names in it but it's also so much of it looks so cheap because they have these really wide shots that are wider than they should be so that oh, you can yeah. see around the set and you can just see big curtain that's lit with like one colored light in the background and it just looks like they're on a stage constantly but at the same time what a stage yeah like that that sex dungeon is like that's a pretty crazy <laughs> it's the set. best sex they, they dungeon so that richard has ever it. seen <laughs> if they shot it if they had tight angles on everything yeah it would look it would look real, you know? It would look like an actual place, but because we're seeing it so wide, it's just every single shot is a bad soundstage. It, it reminded me of the opening of The Muppets, where sure. there's all the yes, different layers yes. of Muppets now, now I can't unpicture that. Thank you, Richard. Dun, 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 dun. When he first walks into the torture dungeon, they're, they're wrapping a cord around a guy's dick, and oh. then they 
fill him with wine oh. until he's like bursting at the seams. And yeah. when they come back, they're like, "You think he's had enough?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think so." And he just stabs him in the bladder uh. with a sword. Yeah, <laughs> and there's just blood and wine pouring out of this guy. There's but a I lot feel of like, this I don't want to have to relive in this podcast. But I feel like that's <laughs> definitely something that they actually did. Like that seems like an authentic Roman torture. Um, but basically, Tiberius uh, is suffering from some sort of like presumably sexually transmitted disease yeah and he's just swimming in a pool with a bunch of naked women and men and his skin is peeling off of his face like his death becomes him but like whose babies are those yeah there is a lot of babies well it's true he should have a lot of heirs yeah that's what i was like like are those his babies uh he's not even keeping track of i i don't know if you could keep track considering all of the things that are happening in the background of this movie well maybe he doesn't even consider them children if they weren't born out of wedlock so they're just like oh yeah no that's just like you know debris it's human debris from me according to wikipedia i missed this point but tiberius tries to poison caligula there yeah i didn't yeah. notice that yeah he 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 offers him a drink and first caligula takes it and then says here you first jamelis uh and then Tiberius just takes it away and from hands him. hands it off to some girl who yeah. then drinks it and collapses and dies. in the oh, background. Okay. Yeah. I missed that point. Yeah. But yeah, so he successfully dodged that poison, possibly because of the bird. That mm. was like, hey, someone's going to try to kill you. Soon after this, uh, Nerva, Nerva is, kills himself. Is he? Uh, it, that's the John Gilgood character, and he's mm. just kind of like hanging out in a pool nearby. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah, he, he, he knows Tiberius is going to die. And thinks he should because he doesn't like him anymore. But he also doesn't want to be a part of the whole like scrambling for the throne. Yeah, and and Caligula's suspected rise to rule. Right, and he also doesn't want to be killed. So it's kind of like I get to choose when I die. Like that's mm-hmm. the, my last choice that I get to make. So he slits his wrists and just floats in this big tub of hot water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Caligula, you know, comes in and like you know is very abusive to the dying man like <laughs> he does this a couple times in the movie <laughs> he's strangely interested he's, he's in... obsessed with death yeah and he wants to know about isis and uh, she, how to join what does she look like no. what does she say yeah he want. yeah he wants to know if he sees isis or if he hears her or what she has to say and what the afterlife looks like and, and what like, it feels like to die and he's like it doesn't feel like anything it's just warm and i'm i'm dying and he's like grabbing him by the hair and shaking his head around and pushing him underwater so it's like just ruining his last like 30 seconds yeah he doesn't get to die really by his own hand yeah as he wanted because caligula is forcing him to die sooner yeah so shortly after this uh tiberius falls deathly ill i guess like yeah more more, like he's been running around and being pretty jazzy (laughs) up until this point and now he's just in bed and you think oh he's whatever he's he's been suffering from is like officially taking him out of the game uh and macro who has been just kind of whispering in caligula's ear this whole time like you're next you're taking over yeah yeah this is don't worry this ain't gonna last long because i'm the head of the praetorian guard the praetorian guard controls everything including the caesar yeah uh we let him do his thing while we do our thing uh and apparently caligula is betrothed to macro's wife no, I I did notice that later in the film. I don't I didn't realize that they'd say that anything about that here. Yeah, he keeps referring to my wife says she misses you, um, and then and we see well we'll we'll, we'll get to that I guess in a second, but T- Tiberius is laying near death, and, and it, it, everyone leaves him alone with Caligula because yeah, yeah. they kind of know the plan at this point. Like, okay, here's where Caligula is supposed to kill him mm-hmm. and takes over the throne, and after a while. Uh, yeah. the the head of the Praetorian Guard, Macro, comes back in and he's like, okay, this hasn't happened yet. Do you yeah. need some help? Do you need some help? It mm-hmm. looks like you're trying to kill an emperor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like clippy. <laughs> clippy. <laughs> May I make him a suggestion? Let's strangle him with this completely breathable cloth. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is he being... Is he being... He's being suffocated by being choked. I think it's, yeah, it's okay. tight around it's not, the it's bottom. Not, okay. even he's not being asphyxiated. Yeah, his, his face is shrouded, but it's tight around the Okay, the neck. okay. I but they sure leave it, was... it on then. Like, I think it's kind of strange. A weird death that they, shroud. 
Like even when they were like preparing him for his funeral, like they left it. That's on true. Him. He is. He's, he gets an open casket funeral, and he's still wrapped in this scarf that they killed him with. Yeah. But but that makes sense because literally no one cares. Yeah. Everyone's like throw him in the river. We're done. No more speeches. He's dead. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And Caligula is named the the new Caesar. Yeah. Um, and he also says that his sister is his equal. And that everyone should respect her the same way that they respect him. A lot of the senators are like, okay, well, that's gross, but... There's a lot of fun, like, background dialogue of, oh, he's gone crazy. Oh, yeah, ADR oh, well, this, will never, this will never stand. <laughs> it's, just, like, it's all going on in the background. I'm trying to listen every time someone, like, all the The mix drum. is really weird, too. Like, so they, the dialogue keeps fading into the background. They re-recorded all this stuff, because I guess... Not all of it, but basically every character except for... The major cast was like some Italian person that they got off the street. Yeah, so they had to, so they had to ADR all of that. Yeah, but, but they said that they re-recorded like Peter O'Toole as well. Like, was he speaking Italian? No, it was just in scenes where they were talking over him, and they had to re-record his okay. lines to get them clean. And all those sex machines were like really noisy, especially especially the one that was going whack 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 whack. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it was just like if you could have seen the hand gesture that went along with that, you would know. Exactly which one he's talking about. It's kind of a Ferris wheel. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really disturbing stuff in the background that we won't describe in too much detail. You'll have to check the movie out. And whatever you're imagining well, you don't is going to. on, if you haven't seen this movie, it's probably worse than you're imagining. Uh, so, Jamelis is a threat. Macro, right. macro tells Caligula Jamelis is a threat. Uh, we need Which to I don't believe. No, I don't believe it at all. Because Jamelis is like this little like dainty character with mm-hmm. like sunken eyes who's like two feet shorter than Caligula and just doesn't seem to want to do anything. He kind of reminds me of, um, you know, from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, the, the guy who just wants to sing. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You're not going to do a song while I'm here. But mother, <laughs> father, I'm father. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan is to get rid of him. Right. And so Caligula says, hey, Macro, let's go get him right now. Let's do this now. And Macro's, like, super excited. He's like, right now? We're like, we're doing this now? And Jamelis is brought in, and they have all these people kind of stand in a lineup for him. Yeah, like like they're the usual suspects. Yeah. And He's like, is- hey, Jamelis, which one of these guys uh, killed, uh, killed your <laughs> uncle or the emperor? And he's like... Leaning the, his the, head the, and rolling like, his eyes uh, he's towards gesturing Macro. gesturing with his eyeballs like, like this guy. Pick this way, guy. Say this guy did it. <laughs> Which, again, is just for show because no one in the audience cares. Yeah. And Jamelis, sure enough, like realizes, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to say Macro then. Macro did it. Because he did. Even though I don't <laughs> think Macro was in the room when it happened, but he came in very shortly after. No, was no it, Macro, Macro was the not, one that not strangled Macro, him. Jamelis, sorry. Uh, oh, Jamelis no. yeah, didn't actually didn't see, see the murder happen, Correct. but he was the first person into the room and saw, presumably, that Tiberius's face is like wrapped in this cloth and was like, oh, okay, somebody killed him because yeah. he's dead over there and it, that's not natural causes. But yeah, so they have their, their very quick trial. Um, yeah, so after Macro is uh, sentenced to execution. Yeah, yeah so th- that, that's what I wanted to get to. The wife that he's supposed to marry, she's like already grooming herself for being queen and she has a grooming ritual which we won't go into yes where she covers herself in uh, fluid substance we'll give you a clue it's one of the fluids that came out of simon, <laughs> simon. <laughs> but it's not his blood and it's not his urine uh and so he's explaining to her like he's like she's all super excited about being the empress they're talking. Well, what if we? What if we moved to Alexandretta, uh, or Alexandria? Alexandretta is where you're supposed to start for looking for the Grail. <laughs> uh, uh, and she's like, "Oh, I could never leave Rome." And he goes, "Well, on second thought, Macro is gonna be executed." And, and she's like, "Wait, hold on, what?" And now, and now you're banished. You're yep. banished. <laughs> you're done. Uh, and, and she doesn't try to leave her chair. They just pick the whole chair up and start. Well, she's probably her off. stuck to it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so they pick the whole thing up and walk her out of the room, and she's just screaming. She's just <laughs> basted 
as she's getting walked out into the sunlight and presumably just left in the desert. Oh. I mean, that's where they're they're taking her out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's she's she's got to leave the the entirety of the Roman Empire, which which I love when we go into the map room later. Yeah, we'll get into we'll get into that. But they have like like a freaking war room yeah. <laughs> with instead of like people on phones, they're putting in scrolls. In the yeah, <laughs> just pushing them in. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, so now he needs to get a wife. He wants to marry Drusilla. Right. And she says, "No, I'm going to find you an appropriate wife." But but that was part f- that was part of why he kind of wanted to go to to Egypt is that he wanted to he wanted to go to Egypt so that it'd be okay for him to marry his sister. Right. He said, "We could be Egyptians. We could do that." And she says, "No, we're not Egyptians. We're not going to do that." Yeah. And his first choice when she's trying to set him up with somebody, he's like, "Oh, who's that? She's pretty." <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, she's she's a virgin. She's not your style, and she's about to get married. So to just forget guy. about her." He's like, "I won't forget about her." Yeah. Oh, but we need to talk about. I know we're we'll, I, I jumped ahead because we skipped over Macro's execution. All right. Which, oh no! Which is my favorite scene in the whole movie. This is the craziest set piece I have ever seen. It's it's amazing. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like a, an entire soccer field. And there's just people buried up to their necks in this field. And a wall. That wall. That looks like a lawnmower. It's just getting pushed slowly across right. the so field. It's like an, so it's like an alleyway that's just excessively wide with like people mm-hmm. flanked on, down the alleyway. Yeah. And this but there's wall, like stadium seating the whole way around. Right, it. so mm-hmm. everyone's watching. And Except the, for the people that I guess are behind the wall. Yeah, pushing moving. the well, yeah, wall. They miss, they miss all the action. So as the wall moves forward, it's like a, like a lawnmower action But happening. it's a really cool, like I, I hope that uh, Caligula patented this because it has a slicing motion and a catching motion. Yeah. You got to sweep the heads under yeah. after yeah. you chop them off. Yeah, and and like the people are throwing like eggs and rotten. Well, I'm assuming rotten apples. <laughs> yeah. And fruit. So there's like eight dudes with their heads sticking out of the ground and just eggs landing near them. And then for some reason they're like trying to get the egg. Like, is there is that how you get like is that, is that, is that a reprieve? <laughs> are you gonna like all right, dig that guy up? He's he got an egg in he, his mouth. He got two. <laughs> He got, got two in there. He got two eggs. That's the rule. <laughs> but they're like, some of them are putting weirdly a lot of effort into catching this egg that uh, I think is just there to humiliate them. Yeah. But but the, the the approaching wall isn't just a wall. It's like got people dancing and waving palm fronds yeah. and like just doing stuff. It's like a, a, like a tapestry or a, a mural that's going to kill you yeah. with this giant blade. And they don't shy away from the heads just going boom. No, it just clips heads off and they just like bounce up and roll around. And there's like, there's little like goals at the bottom where the heads should be scooped into. But when it gets Macro's head, it doesn't even go into one of the like the holes that it's supposed to go into. So the head is just going to get smashed by the machinations (laughs) of the wall (laughs) as it moves forward. But uh, that's definitely the, the... I told you before we watched the movie, I was like, the one thing I remember is like this people buried up to their necks and then this massive lawnmower thing just chopping all the heads off. But I'm just thinking that like something simple, like a lawnmower, yeah. like a John Deere mower going down this yeah. alley. Not an entire wall, which is blood red in yeah. stark contrast to the white painted all around red. it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe probably painted, <laughs> painted with, the with blood. blood. Yeah, that's how you made paint. Do they take the bodies back up, or do they leave them in the ground? Well, you just go out and you plant a seed in the throat, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a little criminal forest, right? I don't know. Were these all people who committed treason, or is this like, you know, three strikes law for? For people who like cross the street in front of a carriage. Well, he seems to kill people at random, except the two people who can do him the most damage, Jamelis and Claudius. I don't think Jamelis can do that much damage. I mean, even though he's technically, like we said, the blood heir, like he doesn't seem to have anyone on his side. Yeah. Claudius does. Claudius seems to be in some place of importance. But now we get to the the priestesses of Isis, is it? I think. Yes, oh, and that's is, who he's choosing right. his wife. This from. is where he's going to go pick out a lady. Is, is so the, he dresses as a lady to go pick mm, out a new right. wife. And he sees uh, Helen Mirren from across the room. Yeah, and it's like, 
what about that one? She's like, yeah, she's great. She's the most promiscuous woman in all of Rome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, <laughs> that's, that's what he I wanted. Mean, yeah, but his sister wasn't thrilled about that. She was trying to talk him out of it. Yeah. Well, they also kind of hint at her just being, Generally like, as much as she jealous. doesn't want him to, like, yeah. marry her, she also doesn't want him to marry anybody else, really. But yeah, she's like, oh, well, she's a little gross, but yeah, you can go with her, I guess. And so he moves to marry Sizonia. Sizonia? Is that what yeah, her name was? Yeah, Yeah. For Hel- um, Helen Mirren. Right. This character, yeah. Um, and she's into it. Yeah. Like, it's not like the other lady who was kind of just like, like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pure and pampered. No, Helen, like, Sizonia's like, yeah, I'm not only going to be in this, I'm in it to win it. And like, she's also acting like she's she was his wife already. Yeah. Like she's like, oh yeah, we are going to get married, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna stir the pot because she yeah. she is like she's a lot like her character. I know I, I know we haven't watched Excalibur yet. Right. Uh, it's Morgana, it's, right? Yeah, she plays Morgana, and she's Morgan Le Fay. She's very similar character in that, just very ambitious. Yeah. And very like sneaky, and but and plays the game really well, and that's why I was like. Because, yeah, Helen Mirren, I, I totally see why she would She's want awesome. to be in this character. Because this character is a very commanding well, character. Well, I also feel like their their characters in the film kind of represent their attitude for, towards it. Because Helen Mirren's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm here for the money. Like, that's what I that's what I came to this job to do. And, and I'm going to get what I want from this. So, uh, here we go. And John Gilgood's like, this is dumb. I'm just going to kill myself. He's <laughs> 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 just like, I don't want to be in this. So, bye, guys. Um but both of their characters i felt like reflected their attitudes toward the film where they're like whatever this is what's happening i'm in control everybody else is all fighting i know um tinto brass got along really well with malcolm mcdowell but peter o'toole could not stand him uh malcolm mcdowell or brass uh with brass okay yeah peter o'toole had a huge problem with the director um but malcolm mcdowell was like whatever you want me to do including like making up his own scene later in the movie which I don't know if we've gotten to yet during the thunderstorm. Uh, not yet, not yet, because we're uh, we're getting into like uh, as far as the story. Yeah. Uh, the there's the wedding where right. the prima nocta situation. Yeah, where the girl that he wanted first but couldn't have because she's a virgin and she's gonna marry some other yeah. guy. He decides he, to make a cameo at their wedding. Yeah, and just totally ruin their their lives. Yeah, he yeah. just starts digging into the cake. And oh, just God. Like, <laughs> I did not think you were going to say cake. <laughs> <laughs> then he digs into something else. Oh. No, he, uh, no, it's he a does. weird cake shaped like a dude's ass. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah, the, at first they're just like, oh, how great the, you know, the Caesar is here. Oh, that's so wonderful that you to come by. And he's like, oh, no, you're a soldier. You're You're a hero. I come. I, I would come no matter what. You're you're amazing part of Rome's army, um, and then he's like, "Now which way is the marital bed?" And they're like, uh, "It's right on the other side of that door because we don't waste time here in Rome." Well, also so you just it get was married and walk a through kitchen. A room. It wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, a the bed marital bed was just a large island in a kitchen with a blanket over it, and uh, he takes the bride in there and rapes her, and then he turns around and the, according to the script was supposed to rape the husband too. But Malcolm McDowell's like, yeah, I'm not going to, we're not going to do that scene. So, and they were like, okay, well, what if you do this other thing where you lube up your entire arm and then do something terrible to the husband? And so he does that instead, which was a real thing that Caligula did to couples that would get married. And it was called Prima Nocta. And Iron Man makes a joke about it in uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, it's physics. Physics. All right, so what? If I lift it, I, I then rule Asgard? Yes, of course. I will be reinstituting Prima Nocta. It's kind of a off-color joke for a Disney movie, but <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's fine. Um, and then he finds out, or maybe before the wedding, finds out that Sazonia is actually pregnant and carrying a child. He mm-hmm. learns that from his sister, right? Drusilla uh, tells him yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he, they have to like rush the marriage so that but they didn't they didn't rush it too much <laughs> yeah yeah not not as much as tr- is tradition but uh enough that he says his vows and the baby is 
literally born a woman gave birth on stage of this movie several women yeah there were three women that they had that were nine months pregnant and they the you literally see a head coming out of a woman like crowning on set and it's a real baby being born um just don't like it boggles my mind how you could you know possibly time that i mean like i get that there were three women potentially ready to give birth on the day you're shooting but like film schedules are hard enough to figure out and predict all the Mm -hmm. things like how could you trust that within your film set today somebody was going to give birth they must have just been around all the time like they had the set they had this whole room set and they they literally needed i think there's only one shot of the actual birth taking place so really there could have been I, i don't know like offhand if there were any other main actors in the shot it could have literally just been like whenever you feel like you're ready get up on that ladder and we're going to shoot this one shot real quick and then we're going to splice it into the next scene of the movie where is that kid now i wonder the caligula kid like <laughs> interesting question. i like that nickname the caligula kid it's like the weirdest western ever it's like look look kids that's me i'm being born there because because he'd be our age yeah. He's only a year older than me. That's creepy and weird. <laughs> I guess yeah, look, couple... kids, that's me being born. And the kids are like, is that grandma's vagina? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. That's it, kids. <laughs> you saw it here first. <laughs> I saw it there first. Um, But yeah, so she has the baby right as they're saying their vows. And then they realize this is not a son this is a daughter or is it yeah but i just like that Kaliga is like oh maybe i maybe i spoke too soon like should have waited to marry her can we hit control z this marriage real quick because i thought that thing had a penis and it doesn't so uh let's not be married but it's too late so he just decides that it does have a penis yeah Yeah. so (laughs) drusilla's like well there's gonna be more kids and he's like well it doesn't matter because i already have this son and they're like but that's your okay oh okay that's your son then we'll just yeah okay I, I like the reference of the Simpsons when I believe it was, I can't remember if it was Lisa or Maggie. I think it must have been Lisa. It goes, it's a boy and what a boy. Uh, that's the umbilical cord. It's a girl. A girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't they name the kid like Drusilla Jr. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like Julia, <laughs> Julia Drusilla. Julia Drusilla. So the it's most like manly name the you can name your son. Name, <laughs> clearly named after his... his uh, great-grandfather julius presumably all right so did we mention that he had a fever for a while that that seemed like to be a weird plot point that didn't go anywhere yeah like he got sick and then he got better well no it does go somewhere i think it's going it's going somewhere to say like hey there's this fever going around that's so bad it's killing people and that's when he goes crazy and does his little like stomping little boots dance outside in the rain yeah uh, is that before or after? I guess that's just, that's bef- during the fever. Yeah, I think it's during his fever because he's losing it and he thinks that everyone's trying to kill him because mm-hmm. he's like in the depths of this insane fever. But um, we haven't really gone into it. But Caligula means little boots. Um, that's not his actual like birth name. That's his nickname. And uh, he he says something about little boots when he's being like sworn in, and they mm-hmm. end up swearing him in as Caligula. And it seems like for a second he's upset about it, but then he's just like, eh, whatever, I don't even really care. But it's funny, every time they say Little Boots, it reminds me of Despicable Me 3. That's what I was, I was like, what animated film do they call somebody Little Boots in? Because is that a reference to this? Because if it is, it's disturbing. <laughs> I don't think it's an intentional reference, but maybe it is because, you know, they're, they're obviously making references to the, the Marx Brothers movies with the whole island of Fredonia, mm-hmm. where Gru's brother Drew lives. Yeah. Drew being his sister's name and Caligula um but uh Drew uh lives in Fredonia and they have this cheese festival every year and there's a little kid who's wearing these like clogs or something yeah and he has to do a dance and then ask a girl to to eat his cheese (laughs) and uh Kristen Wiig just calls the character Little Boots for the rest of the movie and (laughs) every time they say it in this movie I'm like remembering maybe Caligula was referencing Despicable Me 3 did you ever consider that this is definitely a conspiracy theory we should we should chase pursue uh remember little boots so he has this this fever and he's dancing and stomping around naked doing his little boots dance 
Um, and then the fever breaks, and like you said, it doesn't really play into it other than just maybe gets... maybe establishing right. that there is a fever. Yeah. But then, obviously, he had this terrible fever, and he hangs out with his wife that just gave birth, and so she gets the fever. Oh, no, Drusilla gets the fever. No, Drusilla. Or the Drusilla gets the fever. Yeah. But either way, she probably got it from him. Is that, that's what the doctor warned Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah. she was, like, holding him in his time of, you know, distress. Right. Um, and she ends up succumbing to the fever despite his screaming at Isis to save her. He's and throwing statues around. And... <laughs> well, even Claudius at this point says like, oh, I'd give my life to save you or to, to, to give my life for Isis to save you or something like that. And and he's just like, done. And, you know, Claudius is like, take him away. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's just going, what? Oh. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. he's just like so upset. It's like, Gosh, perfect. Have said Sacrifice that. this guy. Thank you, buddy. Uh, but it doesn't work. Um, and Drusilla dies, and he just drags her naked body all around the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually impressed by the actress's ability to just be floppy. a floppy ragdoll for yeah, all of these scenes where he's McDowell dragging her around. Her. Okay. And then that, that just one last quick zoom in, and there's. <laughs> Yeah, just screaming into the camera. Um, and then he just sort of like drunkenly depressed wanders out into the streets. Which is... The, the stuff that leads up to that is... the like after the, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, got, I was getting so excited for this new character to come in. Yeah. Because <laughs> he gets drunk and like tries to stop a play of himself... Where yeah. they're mocking his relationship with yeah, his sister. Yeah, they have a stage and, and they have a fake Caligula and a fake Drusilla. And he kills like four people by <laughs> knocking them off like a three-story building. Yeah. But it's very Game of thrones that like everyone in the whole the whole land knows that this brother and sister have been having sex. And they're just like, oh, no, we just make fun of you guys all the time for doing that. It's like it's not, it's not a well-kept secret at all. But while he's having his little jasmine's day out situation he he sees this going on and is is thrown basically in like a jail like literally thrown apparently they just have a chute that goes down into the jail and they like drop him down this laundry chute that lands on a bunch of mattresses (laughs) yeah where people are performing uh close-up magic yeah and and there's this one guy they're performing other things in there yeah 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 yeah. uh close up something else Uh, but there's this one guy who I think has no lines he, throughout the whole movie. The bearded guy. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me of the guy that uh, Will Ferrell makes friends with in the mailroom in Elf. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of a situation. He basically rode and then shoot down to the basement of the building. And and so he wants Caligula's ring because it's probably valuable. Yeah. And Caligula performs like a magic trick where it seems to pull out of, out of the bearded guy's own crotch. Yeah. And he's so impressed with it. Yeah. But he still wants the ring, but somehow... But it's I... like straight up like dad magic, just like... A, yeah. I'm literally just going to move it from one hand to the other hand, mm. and that's the extent of the trick. And the guy, I guess, recognizes the ring at some point and realizes, oh my gosh, this is the emperor. Yeah. And not only is the emperor, but he's the coolest guy I've ever met. <laughs> and I want to be best friends with this man. Yeah. And Caligula is like, yes, you and I are now best friends. <laughs> Come with me. Come with me to the palace. And so this guy is just hanging out with him now. Yeah. It's so it's such a great. And he's like, just like a new employee. This? He's like, you and me are going to be best friends. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he decides that now. He's going to go back and not only is he the ruler, he's going to have everyone vote that he's a god. Not vote to see if he's a god. Just everyone yeah. vote that I'm so a god Senate now. Senate just is going to declare him a god. Because <laughs> what Caesars became gods when they died was right. like what had traditionally been true. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, nope, I'm a god now. Yeah, so he... Uh, he everyone votes that he's a god and, and the, the other people in the Senate are just like, great he's a god now that's Mm -hmm. wonderful and he just goes around destroying all the other like religious figurines that they have he's just like no i'm the i'm the god now thanks so much and that's when he goes and does another one of the actual historical caligula things and he sets up a chair on a beach and is like go kill the kill the papyrus the papyrus well yeah he was it was supposed to be a war on britain but yeah like he had all this money set aside for a war on britain and he's like 
people are stupid they don't know the difference between britain and papyrus just go go get kill all the papyrus and give it to me which is like pretty true like caligula like literally told people to just don't go defeat the ocean and then he goes back to the palace and he's like hey we took over britain and to prove it here's like hundreds of thousands of yeah. papyrus reeds well plus britain was already part of the empire right uh everything south of hadrian's wall that is but um and I, I skipped over because i was so I, did, I wanted to talk about it earlier when he was missing and drunk in the right. drunk tank uh uh, uh, his wife, Helen Mirren, goes to the map room to, right. to talk to his, to lo- talk to Longinus about where could he be. He's like, well, we have all these reports coming in of where he could be. And there's the giant map. Like, he could be here or here. or It's just like chalkboards full of like these reports and yeah. stuff that he's pointed at. It's like, it could be this one or it could be this one. But there's just like <laughs> these people in togas rushing in with like scrolls and parchment and putting them in little envelopes and other people at desks like frantically taking them like these yeah. are coded messages coming in from all <laughs> over the realm this is where the magic happens people <laughs> that in that same room actually earlier in the film i forgot to mention when Drusilla's still alive uh these people come in and they're like we need you to to come to a ruling on this court decision and he's like all right give me all the documents i demand the documents and they put a bunch of books in one hand and a scroll in the other hand and he's like well, these books weigh a lot more than this scroll guilty (laughs) he doesn't look at any of the stuff they handed him and he just hands it back to the people and they're like oh thank you so much and then drusilla just starts cracking up because it's just hilarious to them that he probably just got some guy killed uh there's a similar scene where he has to like sign all this paperwork but he has to say all this stuff before he can stamp it yeah and he he just gets faster i was really impressed how malcolm mcdowell was able to say it faster and faster and faster and faster i caligula caesar command in the name of the senate the people of rome I click the Caesar command in the name of sending people of Rome. I click the Caesar command in the name of Rome. I click the Caesar command in the name of sending people of Rome. I click the Caesar command in the name of sending people of Rome. Rome, Rome, Caesar, Caesar. Uh, it's like with uh, all the power invested in me by the Holy Emperor. Uh, he just keeps stamping. And he's looking at. He starts looking at the stack of how many more he has yeah, to do. And then he's he like, like hands the stamp to Longinus. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. You, you do the rest of this. <laughs> Bye. And and Longinus is the I guess the head of the treasury. Yeah, um, but he ends up being like the new macro kind of yeah he's like the head conspirator after macro is just ahead uh because caligula comes up with a plan to balance the budget because the (laughs) he's like well we got these two problems that are gonna solve themselves (laughs) first of all what do people like having sex who's good at sex senators wives (laughs) (laughs) so we'll charge people to have sex with the senators wives which will humiliate the senate the people will love me more because they hate the Senate. Because I'm humiliating the Senate. Yeah. This would work right now. We could solve the deficit issue if we just took all of Congress's spouses and sold them to the public. I do not endorse this. <laughs> so that's when they build this giant boat. The love boat. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Bob Guccione directing on this boat. Yeah, there is whew, There is a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> but the... Is it me? Do the wives seem into it? <laughs> well, oh, yeah, all... that's what they were saying, yeah. though. They were saying that the, the senator's wives were promiscuous. Yeah, that's why they are the senator's wives. Like, he wasn't joking when he was like, who's good at sex? Like, that was the whole point, is that the senators, like, all wanted to marry the, like, Helen Mirren type. You know, all the people who were who were professionals mm-hmm. in that manner. Um, But, yeah, so we just have a really long... Uh, orgy as all the senators are being humiliated by what's really going on. Really long. <laughs> yeah. Too long. And uh, basically this is like the last straw for most of the Senate. Yeah. Well, the one of them, one of them said, didn't he say like it's, it's, it's a good thing it wasn't the army? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, somebody somebody had that line like like if if it had been the army like one of the, one of the guys from the army is like if it had been the army like essentially they would have like revolted and turned against him but sure. it's, you know implying that the senate was essentially like kind powerless. of spineless and yeah. powerless mm-hmm. and but not totally powerless because the next scene we basically have them like him and his family are acting out some play on a stage and nobody cares what's happening and nobody knows their lines and they're just kind of like half-assedly performing a play well i'm assuming that the play since it's an egyptian play 
has something to do about marrying his sister. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, he's I'm, acting I'm, out I'm, what didn't happen. Uh, but he just. He, but we get another bird. Yeah, we get another bird. The day before, he we get we see a bird in his room, and he's and he's like freaking out about it. And Helen Mirren's like, "What? It's just a bird." And finally, the he, he I can't remember why the guard wouldn't let him pass. He says he asked what the password is. Yeah, and he's all screwed him, and he's like, yeah. "Well, that's all I needed to hear. Stab him up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and so they start killing him. Caligula. Bearded bearded friend comes rushing in and just with one swipe gets his head cut off. Yeah, they just cleave him right into the head. He was so loyal. Yeah, and then Alan Mirren gets gets stabbed. And And they they pick the kid up. They pick the kid up. And they just smash the kid. Yeah, they like holding onto her legs, swing her head down on some stairs, and then throw her body down the stairs. So now the, the whole family, the three of them, are just like draped across the stairs and they're just dumping water to wash all the mm-hmm. blood off of the marble staircase. And and they quick make Claudius the, yeah. the new Claudius emperor. Claudius thinks he's about to get murdered, like he's next yeah. to like the, oh they're just cleansing the whole family line and they drop a crown on his head and he's like, Huh? What? What? Okay, uh I don't okay. want this job after all. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see why uh Gilgood just killed himself in a tub. He was not oh, so it wasn't Claudius that they took away during the fever thing. It was somebody else. No, I think it was somebody else, yeah. Okay. Because Claudius is actually who uh, took up the crown after Caligula in history. Um, but that's basically the end of the movie is these three corpses on the stairs. Yeah. And uh, Caligula's upside down bloodied face staring into the camera for a mm-hmm. freeze frame. Uh, so what do you guys think? Is it a must watch? <laughs> I'd say yes. Uh, it's As much as I had a lot of crazy things in a movie that I had talked up a lot because I thought it was really crazy. It's going to be a no. Yeah, I'm going to no. This is a hard yes for me. Uh, very hard. <laughs> yeah, pun intended. Uh, no, but this is this is a must-watch for for any Malcolm McDowell fan, as far as I'm concerned. It's just something you got to do. Um, the, the guy who adapted the screenplay, um, Masolini D'Amico, um, he also adapted some Shakespeare stuff for uh, Franco Zeffirelli because he, he wrote the script for the Olivia Hussey, okay, okay. Romeo and Juliet. And he also wrote um, an adaptation of Othello that starred Placido Domingo, interestingly. Huh. Um, Malcolm McDowell, obviously, everybody knows from this or from uh, Clockwork Orange, probably. He was also in H.G. Wells, or he was in he was H.G. Wells in, in Time After yeah, Time. Yeah, Time After Time, which is where he met mary steenberg and i think they were married for a short time were they really i think so hmm. i didn't know that uh and then she went to ted danson interesting interesting mix oh, um i know we're not talking about time after time but uh i really like that movie it's really we'll crazy there. uh but uh was that 1980 or 81 um, yeah so they were married for 10 years wow. uh malcolm mcdowell and hmm. mary steenberg. i did not know that um, uh, Malcolm also played himself in Altman's The Player, which is a really funny movie. Have you seen The, the no, Player? I haven't seen it. Okay, it's good stuff. Um, and he was also Dr. Loomis in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween movies, mm-hmm. taking up the Donald Pleasance role. About Star Trek Generations. Star Trek Generations, that's true. He was in one of the movies. And uh, we met him once. <laughs> he, uh, he was at yeah. the, the Best Buy in Camarillo. What? On Black yeah. Friday. Black Friday. And he was Patrick buying a television him. with his, like with his granddaughter. granddaughter. Yeah. yeah. And he was in line in front of us. And I was like, I think that's Malcolm McDowell. And Andrea was like, is it? And she yeah. walked away from the line to look Definitely. at him from the side. She's like, yeah, that's totally him. And I was like, excuse me, Mr. McDowell, I'm really sorry to bother you. I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of Clockwork Orange. He's like, oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. And he like tried it seemed like he was trying to end the conversation really quickly because he didn't want a bunch of people to yeah, start yeah, talking yeah. to him but it was just like he was he was very polite about it um because so. he, he looks so different like he does. In, from his youth to his adulthood and i'm not saying he aged badly he just changed physically yeah like he, he looks totally completely different yeah but he plays a lot of like really interesting characters now yeah i think voices. That, like he does a lot of voices his voice is amazing that's true yeah he does a lot of voice work but he i think at the time this might have been right after he did a pretty long run on heroes um he was playing like the guy who was i don't know some important character on on the show heroes um 
But yeah, Teresa Ann Savoy, who plays Drusilla, had worked previously with the director on the Salon Kitty movie from uh, the year before and has done mostly Italian movies since then. John Gilgood, who played Nerva, we said was Hobson already. Um, he was also in Sidney Lumet's uh, Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney. Um, Peter O'Toole is obviously Lawrence of Arabia, Lion mm-hmm. in Winter, The Stuntman, an uncredited Scottish piper in the 1967 Casino Royale, the terrible one. Oh, the terrible. But that's not surprising because there was just like a lot of people. Yeah, there was a lot of random cameos in, in there. That's um, just funny that he would show up for a day of that. Um, Helen Mirren had been in A Lucky Man with Malcolm McDowell already. Um, she will be back later this year for the fiendish plot of Dr. Fu Manchu and The Long Good Friday. Mm-hmm. She was Morgana in Borman's Excalibur. Yeah. Um, and she was a cosmonaut in 2010, the year we made contact. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, and she plays Jason Statham's mom in the Fast and Furious universe. <laughs> so she'll be appearing next in uh, Fast and Furious 9 after her appearance in Hobbs and Shaw. Where does uh, Caligula land on your letterboxed list? Uh, it's at the bottom. It's at the bottom? It's at the bottom. Oh my gosh, really? But, but here, so, so here's how I'm doing my list. Essentially, like, it's not, it's not about, like, how good I thought the performances were. It's not about, like, you know, the artistic value of them. It's, would, would I want to watch this movie again? And I don't think I'll ever want to watch this movie again. At least... I'd want to watch pretty much any movie instead of this movie. Interesting. Richard? Bottom <laughs> of the list. You guys are blowing my mind right I, now. I also never want to... I usually watch these movies at least more than once to get some... Like, <laughs> this was too, too difficult. I was just like... I, I watched Just Tell Me What You Want twice as much was, as I watched yeah. Caligula. And I... I appreciate what Caligula is. It's like, yeah, that was a thing that I saw. And that was a pretty crazy movie. I can't recommend it to anybody. Not a single person. Except the people in this room. (laughs) I'm putting it between my brilliant career and Midnight Madness, which makes it third place for me. What? What? That yeah. is mind-blowing. It's the only movie that we've watched so it's far the, that I that I know blowing. for a fact that I will watch again. It's the only movie on the list so far. What? Okay. Wow. Well, I, uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm putting it. Um, and we already did our ups or downs on this one, so you guys are not, not the fan of this film that I am. Um, all right, I think that's everything for this one. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you find the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon at patreon.com slash vintagevideopodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next week when we'll be discussing cruising, a change of pace. Uh, which Wikipedia describes as a 1980 American erotica crime thriller film written and directed by William Friedkin starring Al Pacino, Paul Sorvino, and Karen Allen. It is loosely based on the novel of the same name by New York Times reporter Gerald Walker about a serial killer targeting gay men, particularly those men associated with the leather scene in the 1970s. Thank you for listening, and we leave you now with the trailer for Cruising. How would you like to disappear? Disappear? Go undercover. You know this man? Who's here? I'm here. You're here. These victims are all the same physical type. What about him, Skip? Late 20s, 140, 150 pounds. Dark hair, dark eyes. Have you ever seen him before? I want to send you out there to see if you can attract this guy. How where? A New York City detective in search of a killer is about to disappear into the night. Is it dangerous? 
Bartenders are starting to give me some information. There's this uh, name keeps popping up all the time. There he is, the one with the hat. Is that the one that followed you? Yeah. Why didn't you go with him? I don't know. I think you should check him. What he sees. Who's here? What he feels. I don't think I can do the job, Captain. I don't think I can handle it. I'm here. This is stuff going down. I don't think I can. Uh, I can deal with it. experiences. What he discovers will change his life forever. Al Pacino. Who's here? I'm here. You're here. Cruising.